Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Mapes, a.k.a. J. Mapes, here as always with the bro, Kings. His Kings, what's going on? Yeah, you know, living good, you know, doing good, the usual. Yeah, Kings, before we record, talk about how washed he is. He ain't even 30 yet. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm I'm supposed to, up, like I'm supposed to care about anything he's talking about as far as my body don't respond like it used to. <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, man, I'm just saying, man. I'm catching, <laughs> I'm catching you in age. Uh, man, this, this dude, this dude. Anyway, we got a fun, quick show for you today. Uh, first off, trade season's in full effect. Uh, trade deadline is Thursday, right? Yeah, I think it's Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Um, few, couple trades, a couple trades of significance hit the market already. Uh, first is involving the Los Angeles Clippers. And the Portland Trailblazers, uh, the centerpiece being Norman Powell. Um, man, I was shocked. Well, we'll talk about the actual price of these things. But the Clippers sent Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a future second-round pick for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Um, <coughs> just from my end, I thought I think the Clippers. It's, that's a like it's right in the middle of that Venn diagram of staying competitive this year, adding Powell and Covington, and then next year on paper, feels like a seamless fit with their their ability to just put five wings on the floor, switch everything, just fits right in when you have Rocco. Uh, they have Norman locked up for four years, and they have Rocco's bird rights, and they're all real the cap. Uh, Ballmer has already shown that he does not care what anything costs. They're over to the new arena. Uh, it's going to be booked with shows, a lot of stuff is going to pay for itself. So yeah. I'm not, and plus he got that Microsoft money. I'm not sure Mama really cares. He just no, really wants to bring a chip. <laughs> he wants to bring a chip uh, to the Clippers. So just uh, what, what do you think about this trade, Kings? Obviously, we, yeah. we, I think, I think we, like, I think a month ago, we were like, it's time for Portland to just fire sale everything. Um, it looks like that's already begun. CJ McCollum allegedly is being, um, uh, Show a lot of teams showing heavy interest. Pelicans and Mavericks are the two hottest suitors right like now. The, so, uh, like the Pelicans for Yeah. So where where are you right with this trade for the Clippers <laughs> in Portland? Uh, talk about it from both angles. Yeah, I'll talk. I'll start with Portland. Um, not sure that was a if they like if that was the best return they could have got. I mean, you give up how many first for Rocco too? Um, <laughs> like you don't even get a. A really a draft pick. I mean, I, I guess they coveted Ke- uh, Keon Johnson. That was really what they were looking for. Yeah. A young piece. And then the second round was for Rocco. I mean, I could see Rocco's value being uh, a second rounder, but I feel like you could have, I mean, you could have at least got another second uh, f- f- from trading Norman Powell. That's a pretty good, a productive player. Uh, obviously on a bad team, he's not going to look as good, especially with the Blazers and their defensive schemes. They don't have any real wings. You know what I mean? You know, he was playing a three. So, you yeah, know. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that all on the Clippers with their super versatile, right. uh, uh, lengthy lineup. So, um, yeah, it, it just wasn't, you know, for me, I don't know what the Blazers' end game is. Um, they're definitely not going to compete anytime soon. So, CJ McCollum being out. But, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, uh, and, um, and Mark kind of alluded to this on a timeline that, you know, Dame, he's comfortable making his millions. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He's comfortable making his millions, uh, comp- uh, you know, building his brand, you know, as a, as a loyal guy. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's he, he, he it's kind of one of those things where it's like he doesn't anticipate he'll win a ring or people don't think he'll win a ring anyway. So it's like just make as much money as you can build your brand up over there that you got in Portland. That's it. Um, in terms of the Clippers, 
this was a big time pickup. I mean, Rocco, I know he's not, he, the idea of Rocco is better than the actual player Rocco, but uh, on the Clippers, he fits their scheme to a T. Lengthy, versatile, uh, switch uh, forward, switch big, great team side help defender on the team that has a lot of on ball defenders. It's, it's, it's just a perfect fit for him for uh, next year when everybody comes back. Um, and then you have Norman Powell, who's going to give them, again, more versatility offensively. Uh, Luke Kennard was huge for the Clippers because he gave them uh, elite floor space and elite shooting. And when, in as many as he came in with Norman Powell, it's like you don't lose any of that ever at any point. You have Norman and then you have Luke Kennard. That's just constant pressure and constant spacing there. So, man, the Clippers really, like, I always told everybody, man, you can't win if you're going to be – I told Laker fans, you can't win yes, if you're going to achieve that. <laughs> that's, been like, that's been like your theme last year. <laughs> it's, it's as long as some people are willing to spend money, they are going to put teams together where you're just like, damn, like, how do we compete with that? You know what I mean? It's like you can't be cheap, bro. Like you just can't be cheap because, you know, good players cost money. And, you know, we're going to kind of probably get into it to this later on in this segment. Uh, you know, and a little bit possibly even the next episode, but it's like the way the league is going towards, man, you really have to be, uh, not only you have to be smart with how you spend, you really just have to be ready to spend because yep. just building a good team with this cap and the amount that players are going for is just costly. Yeah. It's just costly. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it ends up, I know the goal is to like increase parity, but some teams just, they're not messing with that luxury cap. Yeah, I think when teams realize well, I think once, once teams realize we're not going to be good this year, all right, let's get under the luxury tax floor, shed the salary, Casey. we'll try again. Like, that's that's honestly what how these teams play it. Um, my thing about Rocco, I wanted to ask you, I think when he's next to other good defenders, right? He's a, I think he's a ceiling raiser for a defense with his ability to rotate, and he can defend on ball a little bit, but his help side, with ability to rebound, playing a three, four spot, even some small ball, Five and spurts. I, I like it for the for the Clippers, and mm-hmm. I, I was writing it down that the, the possible ten man rotation they can put on the floor next year is is kind of wild to think about on paper. When you when you analyze it, you're talking about uh, you know the center Zubak Hardenstein. You got obviously Kawhi and PG. You got Man Batum, Kennard, Reggie Jackson, and then Ro- you had Rocco and Norman Powell in that. And then whatever BJ Boston becomes, right? Yeah, and then you so, have <laughs> so it's like it's just a wild. I mean, and to be to your oh. credit, it's a wildly expensive roster. Like they're playing a hundred million luxury tax this year to be in the play in, just because Bomber's like, whatever. I got PG and Kawhi coming next year. Let's do this. And I talked to all, all the people I DM on the Clippers who cover the Clippers. It's like he just doesn't care. It's like he's going to buy that first championship if he's able to. So like he's just. He, <laughs> I think he will. I mean, he really, he really could have done. It's if not for injury, they really would have done it. Like if, yeah. you, if you think about how what great Kylu coaches and how great stars uh, PG and Kawhi, they really would have done it. It's just health at this point, honestly. Right, right. So yeah, we don't know. Um, Paul George's uh, MRI is later this month. So I kind of think that I kind of think they really just protecting him. Honestly, yeah, right, I right. think in their mind, it's like a it's like a lost year, so they just yeah. don't want to rush him. Right, so I think they'll they'll give him an MRI and give a report. Uh, Kawhi, Ty Lue did say he started doing some explosion stuff, but he did say on the tail end of that he's probably not coming back. So that's that's from the head coach. He put that on wax. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I think I think both teams got what they got wanted to accomplish. I agree with you. I feel like Portland. Uh, I wonder if they couldn't have got more. But after we look at the next trade that happened, I think there's a larger issue right here throughout the league because. Right. I think both of us had a in mind about what the price for some of these guys are, and both trades are a little lower than what we expected as far as a, a return for certain guys. Um, the next trade that happens, opening two opening salvos. Um, let's get this full trade here. So Indiana sent send Karis LeVert in a 2022 second-round pick from Miami to Cleveland for Ricky Rubio, a lottery-protected 2022 first. A 2022 second round pick from Houston and a 2027 second round pick from Utah. So, bunch of set, uh, essentially, I think a Houston, a Houston versus second round pick is still in the 30s. So, I think there's going to be some yeah. value there. 
Um, I was, I think, the two first that yeah, they yeah, won yep, from yep. essentially. Yep, and then uh, they got the lottery protected first. The Cavs obviously are not going to be in the lottery this year unless they get ravaged by injury. So they're going to be a uh, they'll get that first round pick. I think the Cavs. I think the one thing they were looking for is a guy who could just another creator off the bounce with Sexton probably not coming back. So I think they accomplished their goal. Lavert signed, I believe, or I think they yeah, have ability. He's, ability. he's on the contract. Yeah. But they want they want to extend him anyway. He's right. So they, they something they can see long term. Kobe Alt was doing an incredible job with that rebuild since LeBron left. Um yeah, fantastic job. Yeah, that's crazy. If had they been able to, you know, make the Kevin Porter thing work, one can only imagine if they could, you know, if that didn't uh they'd right. have to that relationship wasn't fractured. But, but um, you know what? I I gotta applaud them for what they for for yeah, believing in absolutely. the culture because that's what's paying off for them yeah, right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so let's let's talk about this from both angles. We understand. I think we both read articles, saw the tweets. People were tapping in, talking about Indiana's gonna have a major fire sale. What would you even say on the tail end of that? That uh, <laughs> it's heating up, moving Miles Turner and Sabonis. Uh, they're going from a, for a full teardown. Everything's about picks, young prospects on cheap deals. That's all Indiana's looking for, uh, mm-hmm. picks and young prospects. Um, THT's music. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I uh, wish. So where do you like to talk about this from both sides? This one from both sides. Yeah, you know, for, um, for, you know, for Indiana, it's like, you know, you just wanted the picks, right? At that point, um, <laughs> and they, got, they got a, like a lot of essentially two firsts and a gang of seconds. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you you, you just wanted your picks. Uh, I I think from you know a lot of Cleveland fans feel like they fleeced. I don't think it's a fleece in the sense that Indiana got what they wanted. Uh, whether it's going to pan out, a value race to be seen. But uh, definitely for the Cavs, uh, from the Cavs perspective in terms of building a really young competitive team. Now they got a really nice young core, man. They got a really good, nice young core. They didn't have to go second. I mean, from all the reports that we've been hearing and from, you know, just the makeup of the team, obviously Sexton isn't a, a long-term picture in the long-term plans, but just keeping him just to trade for something else. Yes. He may yes. be getting an, another win play, like just keeping him just to be able to have that piece for another guy you can get with just masterful GMing by uh, Kobe there. So it's a great, great team. I mean, I like the vision. Like, you know, we said they needed a wing scorer, guy who can get his own bucket as well as space the floor because, you know, obviously with the way the Cavs play, great defense, but a lot of pressure was, you know, on Garland to kind of create advantages and set guys up. Now with Chris Laverse, like now you can take pressure off Garland. It's like, okay, I could be more of that, yeah. uh, you know, playmaking point guard. I don't have to stress myself at scoring because I got this guy who can go get his own two. You know what I mean? So it's like, man, that was a great pickup to help uh, get the pressure off of uh, Garland. And, you know, you have – and he's a young guy. You know, he's 27. You know, he's in his prime. And uh, he's going to be good for at least the next four years. Right. And he's going to be at top, top pr- uh, production. And you're, and you're a playoff team now, and you just got better. So it's going to be interesting to see how well they match up in the East. I'm really – I mean – like Giannis said, that's not going to be an easy team to play, man. Right. That, that a playoff series against the Cavs is going to be a war. So, you know, you, you can't overlook them. And it's just it's like with me and the Cavs, it's like they have the formula to mess things up in the playoffs. When it comes, <laughs> it comes down to the how young they are. I just can't do it yet. You know what I mean? You know what it's like I got to give them experience. The way they defend, it reminds me of that 09 Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. was like they don't have that perimeter star but that make you so uncomfortable with the because you know i remember dwight was just an all-time defender <laughs> right and with the like they played remember they played a bunch of wings hito yeah Sean lewis man. you know what i mean Peaches. so it's like peters yeah so it's like it just it made a hell to score you know so if you couldn't if you didn't you only have one guy somebody like that can make it real tough for you my thing with lavert i think it fits because when you play two bigs like that yeah like the, the, the space he's going to be obviously in a crunch right so having a yep. guy who can score from all three levels like Levert, I yep. think it helps you out. And with his defensive shortcomings, you know, yep. Allen and Mobley are already elite at that end, and they cover a lot of ground. I mean, you see what they do for Rondo. I mean, you look at how now Rondo looks like a good player because he can just focus on what he does well and, and understand on the defensive end. He doesn't have to be, you know, that first-line uh, penetration type of stopper because he got those two got monsters right. behind him. 
And I think um, you raised a great point about Sexton. He did sign with Clutch. I think what will end up happening is what they did with Lonzo. Okay, we'll yep. find a destination, but let's work with us on a sign and trade so we get something back. Yep. So I think he'll do a sign and trade with Lonzo did once he signed with Clutch. And <clears throat> it's my hot take for the trade deadline. I don't think those two teams are – I think Sabonis and Turner end up somewhere else. Yeah. And I really think C.J. McCollum is gone, and I really think Dame is elsewhere in the summer. Because I don't think it's going to be Dame, Anthony. I, I honestly think Portland is like oh, at this point with where they're going. I think they're going to force Dame's hand. Yeah, just like Minnesota did with KG. It's like, all right, it's year twelve. You're not getting nothing done here. You tell us where you want to go, and we'll do our yeah. best to make it happen. You know what I mean? And if you and if you think about you know how it's going with the Blazers now. Remember how we remember how we were on Maury's ass and saying yeah. that man, you know, what is he doing? Hey. <laughs> He knows exactly what he's. He knows exactly right. what he's doing. Right. I really think. I think at the beginning, um, <coughs> we weren't sure about how active this trade deadline was going to be. But I think this right. is going to be pretty. With those these teams who have a lot of uh, long term salary and are not anywhere near being good, I think these GMs are going to be the sell, sell, sell. And mode. there's so many teams that can right. win too. That's that exactly one that exactly. buy. So it's, yeah. it's going to be a buyer's market. I think. I think. I wonder if the – so I was thinking about this, the Warriors, I wonder if they're not trading. They're waiting for a, a big on a buyout because that's all they need I, right I now. I think they are. Because I think, I think Kaminga kind of fits that wing they were looking for. He's, a, he's yeah. earlier than the schedule. So I, I think they're going to find a big via buyout. Somebody's going to get yeah. bought out, and Warriors will will come calling at that point. Um, but, yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of teams looking to, uh, looking to buy. Uh, Clippers show to be buyers. They made their move. You got the Suns maybe looking to shore something up. <laughs> Lakers obviously looking to – you might see a few moves on the Lakers if they can if they can make it happen. Right. Um, just, you know, the Bucks might try. If they can't – if they don't know about Brooke, they might try to get a big. They got a couple right. – like uh, I, I, I think a Damian Jones might be a hot right. commodity to, to trade that line for the right. Warriors and Bucks. Right, because I think, like, you know, I don't know if they'll you – know, and Wara has, a, you know, showing that he can play a little bit. He might be a young player that might get him a big, you know, stuff like that. So – uh, I'm sure the Nets are going to try to be aggressive. I'm, I'm sure they will um, with everything they're going through. I thought that <laughs> roster stays the same beyond Thursday. Uh, so <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how I think it's going to be. Between now and Thursday, man, it's going to be some crazy, some craziness, I believe. And then we'll break it all down next week's episode. Um, anyway, we just want to talk about these first two trades that happened before we get to some stuff that's going on on the court. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kings, man, those oh, nets, man. man um, it's, it's it's really funny how the Lakers and Nets are both improving. Right, at the right. So, so, so the net the Nets lost their eighth game in a row. Um, was not competitive at all. Obviously, no KD, uh, no Harden. So you know, a little bit of bail there. Uh, Kyrie played ten for 26, 27. They just don't have much without those. Uh, Without those two guys, and we'll get into that in a minute here. Just obviously, the health is a big factor with the Nets, but there seems to be a lot of smoke about guys being unhappy, looking oh, of to move, uh, hard to do for an extension, and then you hear all the smoke about him possibly just not being happy with the Nets situation. About he came there to be a piece of something. Now he's got to carry with with guys out, and Kyrie missing half a season, so he's just upset with the Nets. He wasn't upset with Kyrie personally. He was upset with the Nets, quote-unquote, situation. Uh, KD's not saying much. <laughs> Respond to a couple tweets that Stephen A, so, to Stephen A. But uh, Kyrie, they asked him. So I think, Harden, I think Harden wants to be here, but he was like, on top of that, on the end of that, I don't know, but things change. It's just a lot of smoke about, you know, that whole big three. And, um, man, just on the court, they just – can't get healthy. They got a lot of guys out. Um, I think we both said this. Our, our one question about Steve Nash, is he a guy that they were going to listen to? 
when he got hired, um, that's proven to be, you know, he's not really a, a galvanizer. I think as a novice head coach, I think uh, that job was probably built for a more experienced guy to deal with, you know, personalities of that nature, in my opinion. I think for bigger personalities, probably a veteran coach would probably suit it better. But, you know, Kai and KD had a lot of say in uh, in hiring him. So where are you with the Nets right now? Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of how uh, when Coach Ricky G says the Lakers front office doesn't have any direction, uh, I don't think the Nets coaching staff has any direction in terms of how they want, they want to uh, proceed. I think last year the offense looked – I mean, granted, you know, the, the, the Nets are uh, – they are more uh, – they have a they have worse supporting cast than last year, but I think part of that was because MDA last year had a good eye for the type of talent he would want in his system with the Jeff Green pickup, you know, Gang Blake when he did, you know what I mean? So it's like I think just uh you know, MDA last season was just had a better you know handle on the offensive offensive philosophy because even when they lost uh, uh Harden. And they had Kyrie. You saw the games that they had against uh, Milwaukee. You know, what I mean, with uh, just with just Jeff Green being such a, a big part of that, and you know, the offense just seemed to have a better flow because obviously MDA is an experienced coach. He knows how you know where to put guys where he wants. You know, what I mean, he knows how to uh, make sure that uh, his his best players are going to get the ball where they need to get it. He's obviously has he had adjustment issues, but he knew what he was doing from a game plan perspective. I think that's the main issue people have with Steve Nash. It's like, what is right. he doing? Like, what is your plan, preparation? Right. What is your preparation going into games? So I, I think that is a big issue. If that's a big issue, you're going to be at a disadvantage come playoff time. And then, like, another issue, which I kind of already talked about, was just I think the role players this year are just worse. Um, I, think they have better role, I think they have better role players last year. So if your role players get worse, the injuries are just going to heighten just uh, – the injuries are going to heighten, obviously, the uh, the way how bad your team plays. And I think also with the world players being worse, that also puts more of a workload on the stars to be better night in, night out. Just probably kind of what's, you know, making Harden upset. You know, like I remember how I told you, Jason, I was like, you know, <laughs> KD was able to do what he did last year because he didn't get wear until he didn't have to play that much minutes last year. But I told you this year with the Mancy's playing, I said it's not, you know, you know how it goes with injuries, man. Once once they keep piling up, once you keep having to carry in that regular season, you know you're gonna get them knickknacks. And you know now he you know he has to rest up so he can stay healthy. So it's like it's just bad roster plus <laughs> injuries, man. Now you're losing. Now everybody's unhappy. You know what I mean? And, right. and it's like the Harden situation is a major situation because he hasn't signed an extension. He can literally opt out whenever. So you can literally almost lose him for nothing. And, uh, you know, talking with Paul, obviously, on the timeline and, and on DMs, you know, we've talked about, and I've told you this too, just from the, for the standpoint, for the Philly and the... Uh, I was going the there next. Go ahead. I was going there yeah, next. Go ahead. If, if, if Maury really wants Harden, this is the best time to get it. Because a sign and trade is so difficult for them because they get hard cap and all this stuff. Cap, yeah. Right. And then for the Nets, it's hard to move hard in the offseason because like now you have to work with him. He has to be willing to opt in, want to go to a certain team. That team has to have certain assets, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? He has to be willing to resign with a certain team. Like it just gets trickier. But if you do it now, you do it now, everyone's under contract. Harden wants to be in Philly. He has a chance to compete over there. Philly has Ben Simmons and at least Seth Curry, at least two good role players who right. absolutely bolster up the supporting cast for Katie and Kyrie as well. You can probably get some picks, maybe get uh, the high bull. I don't think so because Maury's stingy, but you can at least get maybe a pick <laughs> or two from him. But it's like, man, it's like you can at least get quality right now that will help your team when you have Kyrie and KD there to be very competitive as well as kind of reload your chest to make other moves as well. If you get a pick or two <clears throat> from the Sixers and then for the Sixers case, it's like you get Harden. So you have Harden, you're probably not going to include Maxi, So you're going to keep Maxi. So now you're going to have Harden to go with Embiid and now you become a real contender. 
You know I mean, right. you go from that fringe contender to, okay, you might be one of the best teams in the East now because now you have two superstars. So yeah. it's like, it, it, for me, that trade, ha- in my mind, that trade has to get done this week. Like, right. if any of those two teams are serious about trying to salvage whatever they have to salvage, that trade gets done this week because if they don't make a trade this week, I'm almost ready to say it's a wash for both teams. It's a wash for Philly because you just have Embiid. It's a wash for the Nets because the way their season is going, I just don't think any of these things get better. Like, guys are mad. Role players aren't that good. You know, a lot of workload is still going to – the workload is not going to decrease. So I, I just think it has to get done, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you, you called this a while ago as far as that being the trade. If, if stuff starts to go south for, for both teams, I don't even think it's south with, well, south with Philly, just that, right. You got to be playing like the best He's player dead. in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And you just got a max contract just on ice, not contributing <laughs> whatsoever. Not even showing it's like, that to practice. You don't even know how, you don't even know how, you know, how long, you know, MB is going to play. Like, I love MB, but it's just you know, the durability thing is an issue. You know, how long you're going to have him, you know, upright and play <laughs> at this level. I mean, right. you got to cash in at some point. I mean, he's literally playing like the best player in the world right now. Like, yeah. MVP vote ended today. Like, I'm leaning towards, like, that's my pick right there. Now, obviously, well, it's, Giannis, him, it's, it's him and Jokic. Yeah, and Jokic. And Giannis. Yeah, Joker is right behind. I think Giannis is starting to come up a little. You watch Giannis lately. Giannis is starting to put his pedal to the metal. And, but, and they're .5 away from the first team. Remember right, what I so, told you? Yeah, they're just I mean, waiting. Yeah, exactly. So, man, we'll, we'll see. The next thing, I'm, 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 I'm not shocked. That I'll say this: the COVID stuff was unpredictable. Like nobody could see yeah, that coming. Nobody. I will say this though, but there's a record on wax of how not necessarily KD, but how Kai and Harden respond when adversity hits. Period. And what COVID does, the COVID, it just in the injuries and all that, and not being ideal, it just reveals who they like who they have been. Like I my my, I think we both said like nothing the basketball fit was never in question was like you got three of the best offensive talents to ever play they're gonna be able to they're gonna be held to defend like that was never my all-star was like intangibly who was going to be the leader of that team uh i had questions about the coach who had no type of coaching experience whatsoever and you throw him into this situation or championship robust with a couple of guys who like the track we don't know exactly what the track record is maybe not the easiest to you know, get to buy into everything the team is doing. And I think that's what reared its ugly head over this past couple of weeks. Not, you know, not the basketball stuff. Like people were like, they were 13 to three when they played. Like nobody questioned the basketball fit. It's always about tangible stuff, you know, leadership, chemistry, perseverance, because over 82 game season, you go through stuff and then what's going to happen. So that's what, you know, it was for me for the Nets. I mean, basketball wise, They'll win a bunch of games, they get healthy. Or, but if you look, the top of the East is stacked. Man. It was a couple surprise teams. And then even if you look, Boston is starting to win now. You got Miami and Chicago at the top. Milwaukee's right there. I mean, nobody saw Chicago and Cleveland coming. But <laughs> Chicago at full health, they're scary to deal with. Cleveland at full health, possibly the best offensive team in the league. And they have matchup issues. Like the, I, the, I don't, I of all the matchups, that might be the worst one for Brooklyn because of the way they're going to make you uh, defend on both ends. They got the two bigs, so even if you put KD at the four, he's going to be down there banging with Allen and Mobley over the course Mobley of the season. guard outside, exactly. And Mobley is switchable. Allen is switchable. It's you know, that's not easy series at all. And then Milwaukee's defending champs. On top of that, you got Philly winning B, playing out of his mind. All of a sudden, Toronto's won eight out of ten. Boston won five in a row. So it's like, no matter what it's you're doing, yeah, it's 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 just no that first round series is anywhere as hell. And as of right now, with this eight game slide, the Nets find themselves in a playing game. Um, I ask you this: If somebody placed a bet and said, "Hey, I bet." 52 games to the season, the Lakers and the Nets would be in the play-in. What are the odds of that happening? <laughs> Bro, man, you probably would win, like, at least 10K on the – Yeah, whoever play, plays that prop bet. God, man, I, I can't even imagine who, what the odds makers would do for those odds. That's just unfathomable to think about. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, just – and to be fair, it's for different reasons. The injuries, guys out, <laughs> blowing games, but – 
man, if you would have told me 53 games in about, you know, almost two thirds of the way through the season, you got the, the, the Lakers and the Nets in a play in, uh, I'd be like, nah, not both, but Lakers are in ninth, 26 and 28. And the Nets are in seventh at 29 and 24. It's just, it's ugly right now. Um, so I, I thought I want to talk about something that you had raised on the timeline about team building. Um, but I think the Nets and the Lakers, it's been extreme circumstances, but I think it's something to discuss. You brought the idea up that we may be exiting the big three era of team building and teams are going to start leading into possibly the, you know, having two of their guys and then buy into more depth opposed to that third max star, just kind of splashing out that value of the contract and, you know, getting two or three guys to yep. bolster the entire roster. <laughs> uh, just expand. I thought you made some really good points with that. It was something about. So go ahead and expand on that, on, you know, that idea you, you put on the timeline, which I thought, you know, was fair. Right. Because, you know, you always think about it. The two superstars are always going to command heavy money, right? You talk about Max, those yep. two superstars are always going to command 40 millions no matter <laughs> where you go. But it's when you get to that third star, and I say this because the third star, based on his role, he's always going to be drastically overpaid. Like, if you just look at, like, even Chris Bosh, like, I love Chris Bosh. He sacrificed a lot. He was crucial for the Heat being able to do what they did. Um, you know what I mean? Like, in today's game, he would command, like, 35 to 40. Right. You know, based on his production and production, his archetype. But it's like, for his role on the team, it's like one of those things where it's like, Man, it's like it's expensive. It's, so it's like if you don't have enough guys around, it's like it starts getting dicey. Somebody's banged up, aka D Wade was in the 2014 finals. Somebody's banged up, not looking good. Now it gets dicey when it comes to actually trying to win that chip because now, like, you're putting pressure on your number one go to guy as well as the others who aren't that good because you know you, you have a salary cap crunch and it's like. Now all of your team, your team is looking very vulnerable. Whereas if you take that third guy who's making 35 or in the late 40 or in the Lakers case, 44 M's, and you break it up into three guys who make 15 M's or two, maybe two, like maybe two twenties and a one ten or uh you know an eight two eighteens. Like let's say you can you can take that contract, you get a Bogdanovich type of player, you get a Gallinari type of player, and then you get a Caruso type of player. You can get those three for the value of one star who would be underwhelming because he's going right. to have to sacrifice. It's like, now you got your two big stars. You got three really good players who can do multiple different things. It's like, that's way more better. In my opinion, that's just way better to build in this day and age with all the games you have to play with how the tempo of the game, the physicality of the game and how the man is. That's just so much better in my opinion than trying to put, the brunt of it on three guys when you know what we know one of those is not going to be able to fulfill the value of his contract based on the role it's not going to be his fault it's not he's not capable it's just based on the role it's just not going to happen so it's like gotta be smart about it at that point i like what the clippers are doing they didn't go hunting for a third star they're like we got our two we invested in our two and we're going to build as much talent and depth around them to protect them in case guys go down or guys are banged up to now like you can still be competitive when somebody's down. Like the Clippers were competing for a finals berth last year with Kawhi out. Right. That was a real Phoenix six took Phoenix. Yeah. That was a real possibility. Like those games were competitive. They could have won that series last year. Like I think everybody watched that series says that Clippers were a few mistakes away from but actually winning that series. So that like, inbound pass. They were up one, that inbound pass. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you can't, you can only do that if you have depth. You can't do that if you have, you know, if you have three stars and then one of them goes down and then it's like you put the bird. And then, like, here's the thing if you have three stars, one of them goes down. If it, all minimums, you, can, you have all minimums. You can potentially, <laughs> you can potentially do, you can potentially overcome it if that third guy who had the reduced role all of a sudden starts playing to his, uh, you know, his his capabilities again and starts looking like that star he was. Now you have two stars and minimums, but even then, two stars and minimums, like, eh. and it's like, can that third guy who's been asked to play a certain role 
all year now come in and start to play a certain way that he hasn't played all year and produce at that high level? Like, can you, can you depend on that? It's hard to just flip the switch like that. So it's like, really, you've only seen it. Like, I think I've, I've only seen it that much with obviously Kobe, he carried guys, but really with LeBron, you know what I mean? He was one of the only few who was able to make up like from a disadvantaged standpoint from injury with with the Cavs in that, you know, when obviously when you lost Love, you lost Kyrie, he was still able to right, take those right, guys, right. go to the finals run or in 07 where he didn't even have a star. He took them to the finals run. But you look at, you got to look at who that was, though. You know what I mean? That's LeBron James. That's a guy who's going to probably finish his career with 40,000 points, 10,000 assists, 10,000 rebounds. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. it's like when you look at today's game and you look at the top, and I was talking about this on timeline, it's a lot of guys who are equal talent in this league. You know what I mean? Like, you, like Jokic is a, is a freak of nature, unique talent, unicorn. But you can say Embiid is just as good. Right. You know what I mean? You can say Giannis. You say Giannis is the best player in the NBA, but you can say Katie's just as good. Right. You know what I mean? You can say Curry's impact is still just as good as anybody in the league. You know what I mean? Luka Doncic is so talented. He's on, his, he's on the verge of now, especially that he's developing off ball more this year, playing uh, more defense. Like, he's on the verge of trying to knock on that door and get into there. You see Trey Young putting up monstrous offensive numbers. Devin Booker is trying to assert himself in terms of uh, being an overall complete player and being the best player on a very competitive title team that's consistently competing every year. So you see guys getting better and trying to, you know, match other players. You look at the talent in this league, it's like so many guys are so even on the talent from a town perspective, like it's not you. Do, it's not that era where you have a LeBron who's just better than everybody else. Right. Like it doesn't matter how good the other guy on your team is, he's not LeBron James. Like LeBron James will outplay <laughs> that person one hundred percent in a series. He's outplaying that person. You don't have that in today's game. It will be very even in the series from a lot of the top guys. So those others become so crucial. Like those others become so important to the to the to the series to the matchup, and it's like man, like you as a as a GM, you really have to think: Do I want to overpay this star? You know, do I want to overpay this star and have him be playing a reduced role, or do I want to take this and take good fits, keep guys healthy, because reduce their workload so we can get through the season and make a re- and make a real run in the playoffs. Uh, with, with you know healthier bodies, fresher legs, and more depth and more and more uh, pieces to use for uh, for making adjustments. Like I don't know, man. I, I keep leaning towards the depth angle more and more. Like as, as the years go yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw you getting some pushback, and I think uh, <laughs> you know obviously the Warriors are going to be everybody's thing. I, I thought I think that was a special case <laughs> because it was a hand and glove fit. Like very few guys you had. Two guys that prefer playing off ball in Clay right. and Steph, and KD was just able to come in and be their on ball oh. usage guy. So I think I mean, plus they did. They, I don't think they lost their depth either. Right? right? They, yeah, right they just right, they right, had right. the space. They had the cap space. Yeah, you know, it was that it was that once in a lifetime cap jump. They had yeah. they, they were to sign KD with space. That's a perfect point. That's a great point. That's a great point. They were able to sign him with cap space, not losing him. That's a that's a great point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that that even helps your point even more. You know. Um. I'm leaning. I think where you are, I think that's going to be the wave because um, I thought in the Bucks, the Bucks are a special case. But I think it worked out because they were able to keep their depth. Depth and Eric Bledsoe has such a monstrous deal, a monstrous deal. Mm-hmm. His salary, this little bit of filler, was able to bring back Drew Holiday. Yeah, so they didn't have to sacrifice any of their any of their depth for real to get him in. Yep. They let George Hill go, which is fine because you're bringing Drew in. You let George Hill and Bledsoe go because they're bringing a superior player in to do what they both do. The defense, yep. the slasher, he did. He covered both of those bases for them. So, yeah, I think, you know, the depth is going to get overlooked. People say we're in the playoffs, benches smaller. It doesn't matter. You're going to have guys that you got to lean on. When stars get double teamed. Can that guy make a shot? Can that guy create? Are they going to hunt this guy on defense? He can't just yep. be – a specialist like Joe Harris, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. So, yeah, man, I, I thought that was actually, I saw some people giving you a lot of pushback. You're always going to take the talent, but it's rough, man, especially if the owner isn't willing to spend to maintain what it's going right. to cost to upkeep that roster on the margins. 
because, um, you know, not the power on the Lakers, but you got that heavy roster, you know, paying Caruso a three years, 30 million ends up being really three years, 90 million because yep. it's of the, of the tax. Right. And then we don't know how many owners are willing to take that on. You know what I mean? Right. So that, you know, I think you raise a great point with where we are going forward with, with team building. And it's weird because a lot of it, the goal of it was to increase parity in the NBA. And I think it's going to backfire because it's just the owners who have deeper pockets are just, okay, well, I'm paying for this roster until we win. You know, like the Milwaukee Bucks, like he said, well, I got I got Giannis, I got to flip the bill now. You know what I mean? And there's some teams like, you know, they're going to trade Karis LeVert for, you know, second round picks and in, in, in late first to, you know, to teams. They're going to trade, you know, Norm Powell and Rocco for a young player and filler because this team's going to pay for that luxury. You know what I mean? So, you know, so many different methods to team building, man. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, going yeah, forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, the I mean, everybody's right, though. It's still always about right. stars because you have the most talent. You're in the best position to win. But like you, but like we talked about, it, it's getting those. If you get, if you have an owner who can get three stars and pay for the guys around them, that's there's it's no beating that. You have three stars, you have good depth. Like nobody's beating you. You know what I mean? AKA the Warriors when they had the spike jump. You know what I mean? Like nobody's beating you. But how many teams can do that? How many teams have the owners to do that? And you just brought up a good point that that again. Which makes me because I always talk about how we need to just go no cap. Yeah, you brought up a good point of why they won't do that. Teams eat off that luxury tax, yep, man. Goes to they the goes really to the eat, yeah. They really eat off that luxury tax, and they know it's always going to be a few markets or a few teams that's going to be willing to go into the cap, compete into that small window of fame and and marketing for their team and all that. There's always going to be owners willing to go into that luxury cap and many bad teams, like I said, because I've said before, not every team wants to win. Many make money, bad baby. Teams make money. Want to make money. Save money and make money off the luxury tax. Like that's it's a business, man. Like at this point, the soft cap is just a business model. It's not even really about com- right. about the competitive nature. It's a business model. It's about so. subsidizing the rest of the leagues. Right. Exactly. So right. when you understand that now you as owners who are trying to win or people who are trying to compete, you have to build your roster accordingly. Right. Man, that was some good stuff you brought up, man. That's going to be interesting to see how teams move in the next, going to this next generation of NBA basketball. Last thing, Kings, before we get out of here, I should have put this up in a pre-show, man. I forgot um, of all stuff that happened. I forgot they released the, all, the All-Star Reserves earlier this week. So oh, just yeah. real quick, we're not going to handle this long. Uh, Eastern Reserves, let's do the East first. Jimmy, Darius, Harden. Garland, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Fred Van Fleet. Um, <laughs> do you have any issue? Uh, I guess the main person, the main two people, the name, the two names that I got that people were complaining about was um, Lamelo and Jared Allen. Um, do you have an issue with any of this? And if you do, who would you replace those two with? Or is anybody else that you think deserves? Who would you replace them with? Let's get spicy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, Jerry has had a great impact. Um, that people have said he's, you know, been more impactful than Mobley. I kind of think that, for me, I kind of think Mobley's just unique, versatile talent is what really allows them to get away with the, that, that type of life that they play. I mean, Allen also, too, being mobile, it does it. But uh, I'm not that upset with Allen. Um, I think, man, with just how good the Hornets were, Right. You know, Lamelo was really man. The way his game is is geared towards. It's it's very flashy and it's very fun. It's the type of game you want in an All Star game. But you know, it's hard because like Harden was better statistically productive wise <laughs> than Lamelo, and uh, I guess you could really just say what uh, Fred Van Fleet. But man, not only is Fred Van Fleet a great story, but he's been, he's just balling this year putting up great numbers, just improving and trying to prove on his game. Every yeah, he, year. I remember he was not super efficient last year, and he's just – he's completely <laughs> fixed that this season. And yeah, they're starting so, to win. And they're starting to win. And, and they were starting to win. So it's like I, I get rewarded that guy. He's a great story. And LaMelo will get plenty. I think the the, the logic is with the coaches – because you remember it's it's, it's a it's the brotherhood in the NBA, so they think about these aspects like of the Fred Van Fleet story and stuff like that. Right. In their mind, it's like LaMelo's going to get his chances. 
know, how how many chances will Fred VanVleet have in the All Star game? So you know, coaches and NBA guys they think of that type of thing, you know, because they they play with each other. This is their kind of the fraternity, so they think of that those type of things that the fans don't really think about. So I, I'm not too upset with it. I'd love to see Lamelo in there. I don't think Levine's been great. I mean, I don't think Levine. Not Levine. My father Levine's been awesome. I don't think Middleton's been. I was looking at Levine's name. I think about Middleton. Yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think Middleton's had a great year. I feel like I, Lamelo, I feel like Lamelo has been more impactful than, than Middleton uh, this year. So that was probably my only issue. Or if you want to throw, if you want to throw Allen in there, I respect it. But I, I don't. I don't <coughs> think Middleton was an All Star this season, but. You know, I think Milton's gained the championship. Uh, yeah, he that's a reputation. Playoff reputation. What you call it? That that boost. Yeah, he got the boost. Yeah, right. I was going to West, the Western Reserves: Booker, Donkage, uh, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, my question on this side is: Draymond said he's not going to play. He already put that out there. His first day on the TNT. Um, who would you like to replace him with on your end? And who got snubbed in the West, in your opinion? I definitely would want to see my guy Ant in there, man. I definitely want to see Ant-Man in there. Um, I do end up thinking it'll be Anthony Davis. Um I, I, I guess I, I just think he I, he I might agree. play enough games by then, so I think I think so. And in the in the five games he came back, he's been incredible. So he's been super incredible. So <laughs> I think it's just gonna be AD. And, you know, you can't be mad at it. But me being the Wolves guy, I I, I did want to see Ant. I did want to see Ant get in there, man. Because yeah. we're 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 fighting for the sixth seed now. Right. You know what I mean, right. Like, I hear you. He's been a big. He's been a big part of that. Yeah, I just I don't think um, I'm mean, I, I don't think Utah Jazz deserve two All. <laughs> Utah Jazz were not a two All Star team, and if Gobert was your, and I think it's been proven Gobert's the most impactful guy. Yeah, that's what I'm about I, to I say. The funniest so, thing like, you I, I get it. I, 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 I don't know about Donovan Mitchell this year. Last year, I got it. They were kind of blitzing the whole league early on. I was like, well, they just running up on the whole league as the first seed, running away. They were remember they were running away with the number yeah. one seed at that point. I was like, well, you got to give them two All Stars, but now. They went in that tailspin at the at the end of the of the coaches voting. They down to fighting for you know. I think Dallas is right on their heels for that five four spot. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at the standing correctly, um, so yeah, I don't think that's a two a two all star team. So yeah, yeah, I get you. I mean, I, I can't argue Ant over Mitch because Mitchell <laughs> still got the counting stats. Right, over right, right, right. Got the wins, obviously. He's still better player, but I definitely hear you because. Uh, it's funny because it's like they don't deserve two all stars, but it's like if you were to say who you would remove, you can't remove Gobert because he's actually this year. Yeah. I think everybody's actually seen, and it's funny because everybody used to yeah. dunk on Gobert. <laughs> this year, everybody's like, "Hey, you know, those guys might be right. This team might really be oh, yeah. the best player on that team." It's kind of wild, right? So obviously, like I think the two names in mind I have: um, Draymond doesn't go. Uh, I think I'll probably give it to AD just because of how big he's been since he's got back. I think that's refreshing the coach's head. Yeah. Um, and then I probably would have went uh, either Ant or, or Ingram with the last spot. It was just tough because the, I think the Pels just got to the 10th spot this year mm-hmm. and he missed 14 games. So I, I, I yeah. kind of get it. If he, I think their thing is they were 20 and 20 when he played this year. So if he <laughs> right. played almost set of games, they played 500 ball. He'll be at the, oh, yeah. They'll be able to be in that eight nine. He might would have made it. So I get it. Um, nothing too big to you know. Nothing egregious to really go about. But I just want to touch on that uh, real quick. Suns got there too. I, I don't think the Jazz were a two All Star team this year. Just that was just my takeaway from you know the West. And I love Donnie. He's on my fantasy team. But yeah, I've, I've seen the efficiency numbers, brother. We we need you to step up. <laughs> <laughs> you need to step up down and stretch. I'm trying to get this money. So I need you to get to that 42, 43, up to that 47, 48. It makes a difference, maybe <laughs> over the course of the season. I need my money. So that's kind of where I am. Um, yeah, man. I got to ask you, um, last thing real quick. Why was the dunk contest field getting so much hate? I, I just... I just think that people don't like the marketing of it. Like, yeah, that's fair, but I just like, dude, you got – I don't think people who have really like – I show me people aren't watching Rockets games or they didn't see Jalen Green 
Yeah, he, he's bouncy. Bring up and say, yeah, that, that, like, he's going to put on a show. He's bouncy. Yeah, and I think, you know, Obi Toppin obviously can bounce. Only the name I didn't know about was uh, was Juan. Uh, he, he got the poster, obviously, on uh, on your boy who signed it for him, McGee. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know about as far as, you know, entertaining dunk contest dunks from him. Uh, I have to see it. And then I know Cole Anthony was bouncy. I didn't know he was dunk contest bouncy, so we'll see. But Obi Toppin and Jalen will get yeah, I think, yeah, so Obi and Jalen was enough to sell me on the dunk contest. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think my, yeah, my, my thing, again, is like, uh, you know, like I think uh, one of the folks was on the time I heard about it's like it used to be Marcus like uh, a heavyweight battle on, on I think JP was going to talk about that it used to be Marcus as a heavyweight battle uh, type of thing where it was like an event you know what I mean like everybody comes on ready to go watch the dunk contest you're ready to to see and be entertained and now it's kind of like an afterthought you know what I mean because like it's only it's only so many dunks you could do but uh, you know we actually had some good dunk contest despite I think people are still going to be wowed by great displays of athleticism and creativity I just think it has to be marketed a certain way in in today's world to make it uh, more appealing and more about just the type of athletes we have in today's world honestly less less about doing never before seen dunks because I think you've seen so much of it now I think it has to just be more about man look how gifted these guys are and like how, how much control these guys are and, and like make it like a artistic display. Uh, I think that's just the way, I, I mean, I just, I just think the league just has to do a better job of promoting the game, honestly. Right. It's just too much dramatics, too much storylines. Non-basketball stuff. Yeah, it's not bad. And I, so I think it's hurting things like the all-star game or like the skills comp and all that because people don't care about the game as much. Whereas I if think you that, like the game. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Nate Jones was, um, made a great point. He was like, he was like, people's favorite part of the year of the NBA being free agency trade and trade deadline. deadline. It's like that says a lot about what's wrong with how they market and how they how they push the game. So I think you know that's definitely something that's got to be looked at as far as what the NBA does. You can't help what people like, but as far as what you market as a league as what matters, I think that is you know something that the NBA has to look at. Someone said you can't just blame markets, man. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the NFL, Green Bay, Jacksonville, like these aren't good markets, but they right. they sell, they make bigger ratings because they get right. it's about the game. Right. Absolutely. All right, man. We are done. Make sure you like and subscribe to Pod. This was a good one. Um, we'll be back next week breaking down the entire uh, trade deadline. I'd be filming. We might might tap in early because Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, yeah. We might tap in. We might do one on the. We'll see. Maybe the, the next day after the deadline, we'll try to make something happen. If our schedules can permit, we'll try to get that out for you guys. That actually might be the uh, best time for me. Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. Um, make sure you follow us, Kingsborough, on Twitter. Myself, JJ Mabel, 55 underscore MST. Uh, subscribe and follow the pod. Give us feedback. We appreciate everything we hear. Um, tap in with us, man. Y'all be safe. Yeah. And we are out of here. Peace, y'all.